As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10, place your first bet on any game, and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager. Ultimately, I'm going to keep saying it, get 1% better every day, just get a little bit better every day. Welcome back. 34-27, Indianapolis Colts survived, escaped, beat the Jacksonville Jaguars yesterday at Lucas Oil Stadium. They're above 500 for the first time all year. This is Zach Kiefer joined by James Boyd, recapping for 1% better what we saw yesterday at Lucas Oil Stadium. A lot of happy fans leaving the stadium. Best game we've seen from the offense this season. Um, A lot to dig into, though, but let's start here. Third and 13, I had flashbacks <laughs> to Houston in week one. What are they going to do? Why are they just running it? They're going to lose yards. This is going to be a 50-yard field goal. Now, Chase McLaughlin has been good, but that's no guarantee. What was going through your mind before that third down call? I thought that it would be a run. I, I, I seriously thought that it would be a run, mainly because the play before that, Pittman, you know, got him in field goal range or a few plays before he got him in field goal range with yeah, a great catch. You know, he had a huge day. We'll talk more about that. But I figured, hey, you you got a huge chunk right there. You don't want to overindulge or get too greedy and set yourself up without getting any yards. But obviously, we saw that they got all the yards because they went to a dude by the name of Alec Pierce. And maybe you can explain the play, the drive. I know you wrote about that. And it was just a lot of fun talking to every single guy about their unique perspective, where they were, what they saw, what they were thinking. I think it gave fans and listeners now a, a, a good first person, you know, kind of retelling of what happened because it was an incredible play, but it was really cool to kind of break it down from like 10 different perspectives. Yeah. I mean, even the players, even some of the players on defense and even some of the guys on offense didn't think they were going to throw the ball. And let's just dive right in, right? Third and 13 from your own 34 and Matt Ryan and Frank Reich are talking. The Jaguars called timeout, and that's important because mm-hmm. that gave the Colts a little bit more time. And Frank says, I got this play. This is what I want. What do you think? And Matt Ryan says, that's exactly what I want. And I will say this about Matt Ryan. This was his best game in a Colts uniform by far. We all know that. Tons of yards. They threw it a million times, three touchdowns. But throughout his Colts career, the six-game run, he's been very, very good in these situations, and they didn't have that last year. That doesn't mean the issues that we've dealt with the first five weeks that we've talked about on here 
are not important or not troublesome, but they believe in this guy in these clutch moments. They really do. And this is one of those moments. And Frank said, there's just something about this guy's DNA that's just wired a little bit different. And I think the coach believes in his quarterback, maybe in a way that he didn't last year. If you remember last season, late last year, they just wouldn't throw it in tight situations. They just wouldn't throw it. So here you are, third and 13. And, and Matt says, look, if it's press coverage, you're going to go route to Pierce. And if it's not, you're going to run a slant over the middle. But either way, they were going to throw the football in this situation, which is a little bit of a surprise. Pierce saw the press coverage, and this is really the football stuff that I think is really fascinating. Reggie Wayne has been coaching him on how to get off press coverage. Instead of just using your speed and going around it, Pierce has learned to go through it, to fight through it, to learn to be patient. And if you watch the cut-up of the play, he fights with Shaquille Griffith a little bit, then he gets him two or three yards of space. Beautiful pass under pressure from Matt Ryan right on the money. And Alec Pierce is a dude. You don't make that play unless you're for real. I wrote last night that I feel like he's arrived. I feel like with the Denver game and this one, you're seeing a different offense. You're seeing a different offense. You're seeing another threat besides number 11. And that's what this team has needed. And for a long time, it was just T.Y. by himself. And then you saw Pittman, but Pittman came on really as T.Y. started to fade. And you're starting to see that two wide receiver threat. And it's going to be fun to watch these guys ball out for the next couple of years, maybe five, maybe 10 years. Let's not get ahead of ourselves. But Sunday was about Matt Ryan's guts, Frank Reich's call, and Alec Pierce's arrival for me. What about you? Absolutely. I mean, there's other things sprinkled throughout there. Paris Campbell, um, I talked to him after the game, kind of adds to his redemption arc. He feels like he's showing what he can do after the, you know, the injury riddle passed. And he's, you know, obviously hoping he stays healthy throughout this season. Good for Paris Campbell, man. And like, look, we're supposed to be objective. We're supposed to be down the middle. And he's had injury issues. That's the reality. But I'm pulling for this guy. I'll just be straight up. Like, he's dealt with a ton of social media hate. Every time his name is mentioned, someone says, oh, well, how long until he gets hurt? Like, this is a dude who's not choosing to get hurt. He's not asking for this. And he's fought through a lot. So good for him. Yeah. So I spoke to him about that because... He is a very nice guy, says the right things um, down to earth. I think anyone who knows him personally or even professionally would say those things. But I asked him about when he got in the end zone, he stretched the pylon, he gets up, he just starts screaming. like, and It's like this rage-filled scream. And a lot of players scream after they score or whatever. But it could be different for every player, depending on the moment. I just asked him, what's in that scream? What's in that roar? And he's like, that's just all of my passion and, and all the emotion because this game means everything to me. And then he elaborated saying, I've been through a lot. People know. And in a sense, he, he feels like people have written him off. And so he, he was very proud to be a part of that, a key cog, I guess, in that system to help turn that offense along because, you know, without a touchdown that he had, the Alec Pierce play, Alec Pierce play isn't possible. You know, Jelani Woods gets his third touchdown of the year. He's stepping up. And so it just felt like these little pockets where everyone on the offense was kind of coming into their own outside of Pittman, who had already proven that he was pretty good in this league. So it was really cool just hanging around the locker room afterwards. And maybe I'll make this my thing just because we have the staff number to do it. But I hung around all the way to the end and I'm waiting, just kind of figuring out, you know, is there anybody else I could talk to about this crazy, crazy game, crazy day? And as I'm waiting, I see Matt Ryan, he's getting dressed. He's talking to uh, Paris' son, Kai, and he looks up at Paris and he's like, dude, 
you know, his voice is barely audible over all the other stuff going on. He's like, we're scratching. We're just scratching the surface. We're just scratching the surface. And so it felt like that was maybe foreshadowing on how things could be if they go more up-tempo, if a guy like Dennis Kelly comes in there and helps stabilize that line like he did. Dennis and Kelly to the rescue. I mean, you know, it's, if we you were joking, tweet it, it will happen. <laughs> we were joking throughout the game like, hey, is this, you know, is he going to make all that much of a difference? But I think after a few reps, a few series, he settled in. Um, I know Ryman is still coming along. They haven't, I don't think they've decided anything permanently at the left tackle position, but after that performance, it'd be hard to argue having a veteran in there. And, you know, he gave a huge boost when he had to and, and got a shout out from Matt Ryan, who, who said he played his butt off. So, I mean, it felt like an exhale on one end because you finally figured out something and it looked like it's supposed to look. Yeah. And the defense didn't have to be superhuman to win. Defense wasn't great. They made no. some plays late, and we will get into that. EJ Speed deserves a shout-out for that fourth-and-two stop, that stick. Zaire had 11 tackles, who continues to just stack good weeks on top of each other. You wrote about him last week and how – now, he's not Darius Shaq Leonard. He, nobody is, but he has absolutely filled that void in a way that's been way better than any other situation with a backup, right? Rodney McLeod was all over the field, like all over the field. But let's get back to the line because that's let's let Ryan Kelly call it what it is. This is what his word was after the game. <laughs> he said the first five weeks of the season has been a shitstorm. And that felt appropriate to me because that's what this line has been through. We've talked a lot about it. We've talked about the 21 sacks and the 73 pressures and the 43 hits. I've lost track. There's been so many. But Dennis Kelly, man, like he gave him something. And both things can be true. The offensive line was much better, and then the up-tempo helped the offensive line. So Absolutely. the Colts went out of their way. Frank Reich told these guys on Monday of last week, we're going to do up-tempo a lot, like all game. And it worked, and it really worked. And Matt Ryan threw the ball 58 times, but a lot of them were quick-trigger passing passes. And, and that's really – that was their run game. That was the extension of the run game that they haven't been able to get going either. So you got to give credit to Deion Jackson for playing the way he did. Ten catches for 79 yards. Those are – basically rushing yards in, in some regard, but he caught all 10 targets and that's not easy to do for a running back. You don't see that very often, but the two guys I want to highlight and they didn't play the first time they played the Jags and they played Sunday and they made all the difference. You cannot say enough about the tough catches that Michael Pittman Jr. Made 13 catches on 16 targets. 13 catches is the most by any Colts receiver since Reggie Wayne. And if you go back, everybody knows this game, the 2012 game against the Packers, the Chuck Strong game. Chuck was in the hospital. Reggie wore those orange gloves for leukemia awareness and just balled out. And then they had a day, right? They came back from 21-3 at the half. A very memorable day. But Pittman yesterday, 134 yards. And Pierce, man. And, and Pierce didn't get a ton of yards, but he kind of did with the PIs, right? And it's almost mm -hmm. like a little bit what the Colts did last year. Just throw it up on the sideline because you know you're probably going to get a, either a catch or a PI, but the offense is changing. The offense is spreading out. It's no longer just in the middle of the field. There was a ton of crossers yesterday, but they have two sideline threats now. One of them is number 11. One of them is 14. You mentioned Jelani Woods, who's another red zone threat. The offense is changing. Now it's one week, and it's, it is a good defense, but it's not an elite defense. They're going to have to stack some things together. But let's talk about the quarterback, because that's what everything balances on. His cleanest game as a Colt, his best game as a Colt, and I talked to him after the game. He was sitting in his locker, and I said, you know, in four of your six starts with this team, you've led a fourth-quarter comeback. In three of those, you led a game-winning drive. And he's like, that's great, but I'd like to win the other way, which means from in front. 
Yeah. I think the Colts fans would, yeah. would like that as well. Less stress. But what did we learn about Matt Ryan yesterday that we didn't know before the game started? I'll say this. I think personally, I learned that what Frank Reich was saying isn't just lip service because you're going to talk your quarterback up. You're going to bring up the stuff that he's done. Um, and I kind of felt that way even after the Denver game because it's like, oh, he got this fourth quarter comeback. He got this game winning drive. But he had to do that because he threw two terrible interceptions. Yeah. That's the context that kind of misses from that. But I thought that game, that drive, it looked like Matty Ice. I was like, okay, this is the guy you all wanted to bring here, wanted to lead this franchise. So I just learned that as much as Matt Ryan says and does all the right things, as strugglesome, is that even a word, as, as much as he struggled throughout the first five weeks of the season, he can still be a dude given the right situation. And that's what he was always supposed to be. I don't think we oversold it. He was never coming here to be the solution to the problem. He was coming here to be part of the solution to the problem. And it wasn't helped by the fact that Jim Mercer kept dumping on Carson Wentz all offseason, which made our coverage, and we probably play a role in this, focused on the quarterback. It's the most important position. It's the one that gets all the attention. But mm -hmm. it wasn't just the quarterback last year. It wasn't, and I wrote this, and I said this, and you know, the offensive line fell apart in December and January. And they didn't have a receiver to go to besides Michael Pittman. And there were a lot of things, but Carson was obviously at the heart of that. And Matt Ryan was supposed to come in and sort of alleviate a lot of those problems. But that was contingent upon him playing behind a good offensive line, which he didn't have the first five weeks, having a dynamic running back, which JT probably comes back this week, but he certainly hasn't been the JT of 2021 because of a lot of issues. But I think yesterday we saw what this guy could do and what this offense can be. Now, I don't think you run 58 snaps, 58 dropbacks. Put that no, sacks. No, no sacks. No sacks and no fumbles. First turnoverless game of the season for Matt Ryan. Let me ask you this. He had 42 completions, 389 yards, three touchdowns. Does it feel like he played that well? I'll say this. Let me ask you a question. When he threw that pass, it was like he, the play got blown up and it was a free rusher at his face. The intentional grounding pass. Oh, boy. I think they were down 14-3. Crowd starts booing. I tweeted this out because I was thinking this could be an inflection point of this game and this season because it, it looked horrible to start. If you would have told me he would have three touchdowns, 389, and, and, and our personal best 42 completions, franchise record 42 completions, at the end – of the game, I would have thought you were crazy because it looked so weird to start. That's it looked so fun. routine. So, I mean, hats off to them for kind of finding their footing. And, and Frank Reich said it. They were they were moving the ball, just weren't punching it in. And then when they when it seemed like they did, they uh boy did they. I mean, they got the huge play from Jelani Woods to take their first lead of the game. And that's another thing. Him and Jelani Woods have both lived out childhood dreams, literally. Like we often write stories and we want them to be like really fluffy and whatever else. And, and sometimes the, the scenarios lend themselves to that. But these two dudes have some of the corniest Hollywood movies like <laughs> playing out. Cause if you give the script up, you're like, Oh, I don't want to watch that. That, that, that both, storybook. Their first touchdowns in the league were game winners. Walk-offs essentially, essentially walk-offs. That's, that's insane. And, I, and, and, to, and just to, I guess I, I, I won't cut Jelani short. He had two touchdowns his first game. So he had, right. he had the one Pierce, touchdown. What is Pierce even doing? Right. I know he's he's got to catch up. But my point is, 
it's really, really cool when like the dream and the moment actually happen. And our job is to just detail it. I mean, even Deion Jackson said it after the game because someone asked about Alec Pierce. He's like, man, you dream of these moments. And he had that moment. And to Dion's credit, I want to read you this quote because we're all asking him, you know, you're sort of like the unsung hero here. I mean, dude, you're a third string running back who hadn't really played in the NFL game until last week. You ball out last week. And then Frank Wright comes out in his press conference and says, oh, it was just one game. And then you come out and do it again even better. Like the dude had 10 targets, 10 catches, 79 yards. He had a touchdown run, you know, where he ran the guy over at the goal line, looked like a beast. This is what he says. When I came back to my phone, I got a lot of messages. A lot of people I know started me in fantasy. And they actually probably get like won or, or benefited from that. And then he goes, you know, coming into this, I had a lot of emotions. My first start running out of the tunnel, it almost it almost put me to tears. That's the stuff that, that, that again, movie moments, dream moments. It was really cool to detail that. And I thought that, you know, even though he left the game with a quad injury, he most likely will return to the bench, I, I would I would think, with Naheem and Jonathan Taylor getting healthy this week. But for two games, there was a Deion Jackson primetime <laughs> prime Deion show. And, I mean, that is what helped kind of put them over the top. And I thought that uh, – I know Deion, as far as the three running backs and all that stuff, I mean, no, no NFL team has like three running backs that they're generally going to use. But if anything, Zach, I thought that he proved that he belongs in the NFL – and probably earned himself a job somewhere just based off of that tape alone. Cause I mean, the guy looked good and he told me it was his first, or he told us rather it was, that was like his first time playing a full game since college. You never want to lose sight of that, of how much this means to these guys. And like, it's just, it becomes, I don't want to say watered down, but like a guy like Paris Campbell, like nobody knows what Paris Campbell's been through except for Paris Campbell. And there were days when he thought about walking away from football because he couldn't shake the injury bug and, even Sunday when he didn't catch the game winning touchdown, but he definitely had a hand in that win and made a great play to get to the high line. Like that means the world to him. And you don't want to lose sight of that. And that's why this this job is so cool and this league is so fun to cover. Let's get back to the play that that won the game, though, because I think there's a bigger point in here. The Colts had been sticking with the run and forcing the run for the first mm-hmm. five weeks, adamant that they were going to get the run game going, determined to make it work. It wasn't working. It was not working. So what did they do? They flipped the script. They started to throw it. Eight throws to start out of the gate. They used the pass to set up the run, and it changed everything. And it's about time they figured this out. And this is interesting because Frank Reich was asked today about, like, why not just all go, you know, no huddle? Like, why not do it all the time? I watched Peyton Manning do no huddle for 10 years growing up. And Frank said, well, the the, the drawbacks, there aren't many, but the drawbacks are you don't get to get your multiple formations. You don't get to get your different personnel groups. And I understand that. And that's really you know, a benchmark of what Frank Reich wants to do. He wants all of his receivers to play all the different receiver positions. And he wants to keep defenses guessing on what they're trying to do. The problem with that is the defenses knew what you were trying to do the first five weeks. And that was a huge part of the offense and why there were so many problems. So in going no huddle, not only do you help the personnel groups and, and simplify things, but you help the run game and you help the offensive line. And Matt Ryan proved yesterday he's a quarterback who can deliver. And so yesterday reminded me a little bit of the Frank Reich in 2018 when he trusted his quarterback, obviously, in 2020 when he trusted his quarterback as well, saying we're not going to just play for a tie. We're not going to just play 
for the field goal. They played for the field goal in Houston in week one, and it killed them. It really did. It, that, that was a missed chance. They went for the jugular on Sunday, and it mattered, and that mindset matters. And that's when Frank really had the locker room behind him when they went for that win in Houston in week five of that 2018 season. And that's when it really changed. They lost the game, but he won the locker room. And yesterday, just listen to these quotes. I mean, the players didn't even think they were they were throwing it. <laughs> Colin Granson, I asked him, oh, my God, he's throwing it? Oh, my God, it's a go route? Like, that's his reaction when, when Matt Ryan drops back. Paris Campbell, who you talked to, this is his quote. I looked up and I seen Matt put the ball in the air, and I'm like, who the hell is this guy throwing to? <laughs> Michael Pittman, who was on the other side of the field, who was the other option, says the ball goes up, and I see Pierce chicken wing him, and I'm like, oh, shit, oh, shit. Zaire Franklin. Everybody's just talking on the sidelines saying, man, just run it, just ran it. But EJ Speed was like, nah, throw it up one-on-one -on -one to Alec. So these guys, most of them didn't even think they were going to throw it. But that speaks to a mindset and aggression. And that's what Frank Wright came here to do from Philly. He talked about aggression. I think they've gotten away from that a little bit. They've gotten a little bit scared of the downfield throws. Now they have a player who can do it, the player they trust. You don't call that play for a 22-year-old rookie unless you trust the hell out of him. And Pierce executed it like a dream it was perfect he he shook the free the press coverage and and i'm looking at a picture now the entire sideline erupted the entire stadium erupting i was stunned that they had the guts to do that that it executed that well and that they really just walked the jaguars off i think this team needed that moment more than they're letting on i was gonna say to that point would they have been satisfied winning that game on a field goal absolutely but yeah, I think but that, this is different. that does more for the team. I like think you're right. I think you're right. It's like we didn't settle or carry away. We we took it. We didn't escape. That's ours. Right. Exactly. You didn't escape. You won it. And I mean, you look up, there are three, two, and one with a chance to be first place in the AFC South. They knock off Tennessee um, at Tennessee next week. That's Obviously, not going to help ourselves. Tennessee is coming off a bye. They have the Colts' number um, under Mike Vrabel. They, they, they have a way of just being in the thick of things all the time. I mean, they were 0-2 to start the season. Now they're 3-2. and two. They could possibly be 4-2 and two if they beat the Colts. So you can never count them out. Derrick Henry looks like the Derrick Henry of old after the issues last year with the injuries. But I do think it gives you something to build on going forward. And, and at the very least, in my opinion, you have to split at least these next two division games to have a chance at saving your season, in my opinion. I don't think you could lose against Jacksonville, lose against Tennessee, and then still say you're a playoff team or in the playoff hunt. You had to get a win on the board in your division, which they did in emphatic fashion. And we'll see. I think the defense will be a better than they were because, I mean, a few of those players were just, like, blown, like, just over, like, you know, failing to, like, steal the gaps, um, overloading, and it was, like, one blink, and it's like, wow, 60 yards later, they scored. But outside of those huge chunk plays, the defense was okay. And if they can be what they've been through the first five weeks of the season, of course they're not going to be elite every single game. But if they you know, can kind of get back on top of their game, they'll have a shot and just keep Matt Ryan upright. We've been saying it all, all year. We're not geniuses and people on Twitter say the same thing. Give them an honest chance to win the game. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7, U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. 
You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite free. You see this? A family watching baseball on DirecTV with no satellite dish in sight. Let's heckle them. You call that changing the channel? Choke up on the remote, buddy. I hope getting all these games on DirecTV makes up for your mother not pre-chewing your sunflower seeds. DirecTV has the most MLB games. Visit DirecTV.com. Claim based on total games offered on national and regional sports networks with choice package or higher. Availability of RSNs varies by zip code and package. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Our colleague Bob Kravitz is, is ready to pull the plug. He's ready to move on from Matt Ryan. And I said, I just I want to see him with a clean pocket one game, man. I think that's fair. And he hasn't had that. He's not had that in five games. And Matt's fumbles and interceptions are not something we're ignoring. But I want to go back to what you said originally. And I want to read you this quote from Frank Reich. And I think you're right. I don't think yesterday was about the win. I think it was about how they won. And this was a quote from Frank Reich that came to my mind. They know all about the Jaguars, right? And how they can't win down there and how they usually have tough games in Indy. Frank said, this game is even more about who we are and we have to prove it to ourselves to take that next step. It's a great opportunity, but this is about us. I agreed with them when he said that. This wasn't about Jacksonville and it wasn't about scheme and all that stuff. The Colts needed to step up. They had not done that this season. I am not overlooking the wins against Kansas City and Denver, but those were fortuitous bounces, right? Chris Jones runs his mouth, and all of a sudden, you get to keep going on that game-winning drive. Denver, right. we talked about that last week. Russell Wilson, for reasons I don't you understand, ever try Gilmore? Decided, decided to try Stephon Gilmore, who told him, <laughs> this is who I am. So, look, you got to win any way you can win in this league, but this was about how they won and the fact that they didn't settle for a field goal try, and they said, get out of the way, Jacksonville. We're going to take this win. And I think that matters and whether that you know springboards into something more that's what we're going to have to find out cuz this is going to be a really good test a rested tennessee team that has given you all kinds of fits the last couple of years and has won four straight but if the colts want to graduate to where they want to go which is a contender in the division i think we finally saw something yesterday that tells us they could do that they looked like they put their big boy pants on and uh actually had you know the the audacity to feel like they're the better team and to play like it. I think there had been certain instances throughout every single game, and even the, even the Texans game, outside of the week two, obviously. But week one, they looked pretty dominant in like that third and fourth quarter. In Denver, they obviously had a great defensive performance. Tennessee in the second half, they did pretty well. This was, to me, their most complete performance. And perhaps the most exciting thing about it, at least defensively, is like you weren't on your A game. And so... We'll see. And then it, it, it seems like this team is uh, finding something to rally around. And it also feels like even like the way Frank Reich talked, like the way his voice sounded, no joke, like after this win, it sounded so much different than, you know, in Denver. I think in Denver, we was, we're waiting for him to talk. It's like he knows yeah, everyone thinks this team is awful. You escape because the other team is just more awful. But this one actually felt like a win. I don't think anyone in Denver outside of the defense and Stephon Gilmore really felt like that was a win. It felt like, ah, we just eked one out. And Quentin Nelson said it was disgusting. You don't hear guys call a win disgusting very often. Exactly. And he but, was right. 
I don't think it was disgusting. Uh, you know, yesterday you got the music blasting, and I know people on Twitter are always asking, what are they playing? And they were playing 21 Savage, brand new Draco. And the funniest thing to me is when Frank Wright walks out, music is blasting, and he walks in. And I'm just like, he has no idea what's playing. He has but he no knows clue. his guys are happy. And to me, again, that's why I'm enjoying my first season in this league because it feels like every week is just a different chapter, different episode. Of course, our beat in particular kind of lends itself to the drama with the way the games have gone. But yeah, man, after that failed two-point conversion and it was like a one-point game, I was like, well, someone's going to have to win, someone's going to have to lose. I think they and got their mojo back. Maybe they didn't, but it feels like they got something back that was missing. A belief you know, they kind of yeah. said a lot of stuff yeah. the last couple of weeks that I and I almost feel like I didn't believe it. I didn't believe it was coming out of their mouth. Here's a question for you that you're not going to have an answer to. Why the hell is Brandon Faison playing instead of Isaiah Rogers? I don't get it. We've asked about, for those wanting to know, we've asked about this. We've asked coordinators. We've asked Frank Reich. We've asked the players themselves. There's no justification for playing Faison after, after Sunday, right? Like, I'm just going to say from my perspective, like there is no reason he should be on the field instead of, instead of Rodgers. That play that everyone knows what I'm talking about was maybe the worst cornerback play I've seen from a Colts corner since Antonio Cromartie in London in 2016. And if you know what I'm talking about, you know. Why is that dude playing? Why isn't Rodgers on the field? I think we'll get a really concrete decision coming up. It feels like how much more tape do you need? How much more proof do you need? Something has to change. And I mean, some huge plays were given up by Brandon Faison. Great guy, obviously, but this is a results league and you need results. And Isaiah Rogers, and again, I think Ryan Miles talks about makes this. plays. He's like, he's not the most technically sound guy, but he's like, he has this innate ability to make plays. You can't teach the stuff that he does. And even like, I know, I, I believe he, he had like that funky uh, uh, punt return pickup yeah. yesterday. He has great hands. He's done that twice this season. Naheem fumbled one against the Chiefs that he just swooped up. That's not easy to do, and he makes it look so easy. No. It's the stuff and- My- Ron Miles was talking about that. I talked to him before the season about Rodgers, and he's like, he's a huge fan of Rodgers. Again, be- I'm sorry to the fans out there because I don't have an answer for you, but I'm wondering the same thing. I'm sure there's going to have to be some answers given in these meetings with coaches this upcoming week because, again, it just seems like it started off as like, okay, why isn't he out there? And now it's like, okay, why isn't he out there? It becomes when it becomes obvious for sixty-five thousand fans, you know, at an arena, and there's not a whole lot of football analysis that has to go into it. It's just this guy's better than this guy. I think you have to make that move. We'll see yeah. though, because I know Gus Bradley has a relationship with Brandon Faison, has knows more about. It. I believe they've been together a little bit longer. Yeah, but, but the tape don't lie, man. Is, yeah, the quarterback so told me that better. years ago. The tape don't lie. And Chris Ballard is fond of this saying, look, you guys watch the same games we do. We watched the game. We saw the obvious issues. Now, I'm not letting them off the hook for Matt Pryor still playing, but that's a different discussion for a different day. We've exhausted the offensive line talk. Let me ask you this before we go. If Jonathan Taylor's back, if Naheem Hines is back, how does that change the offense? Because it certainly gives them more options. I think it shows you, particularly with Naheem Hines, what you can do if you just utilize him out of the backfield. Because in my opinion, yes, they threw it a lot, but it was basically like they were running through the air in a sense. Like a lot I would of like to see dunks. them do that with Naheem. You got to see more of that with Naheem. He can we break not tackles. Enough of that, he can make know. stuff happen. He can make 15-yard gains, 40-yard gains. Again, if you force the defense just to be honest with JT, 
he's good enough to make them pay because he, he's good enough to make you pay even if you have eight in the box. So we'll see. And then if anything, it gave the team plenty of time to let both heal up, it's particularly Jonathan Taylor. I think if it was like a playoff game and he had missed already missed a week going into it, he might have forced himself to be out there. He probably I could have so. played. Very rarely does a player practice Thursday and Friday and not play Sunday for this team. Exactly, there's there's but, exceptions, but very I mean, rarely. That's what I thought he was going to play. Yeah, but you got to win. And you get a healthy JT, probably a healthy Naheem Hines. You know, we'll see what Quiddy Pay's status is and others. But it seems like, you know, you're starting to get some guys back, starting to get some continuity. You got Matty Ice back there slinging it like Dan Marino told him to, you know, 14 years ago. So that was a really cool moment. Bob Kravitz asked him about it, you know, passing Dan Marino for, I think, seventh all-time in passing yards. And he's like, man, I'm still here. All these years later, still That's slinging wild. it. And, man, did he sling it Sunday. 42 completions. Um, 58 passes, the most he's thrown in a game since 2013. I was a junior in high school. I don't have huge concerns with the defense. Now, they they had some gap problems yesterday. Those big runs were uncharacteristic. I, I feel like those are just execution and assignment. I don't have huge mm-hmm. concerns with that, but here's my concern with the defense, and hear me out. Shaq Leonard did have no surgery. He's not on IR, which means they might think he might come back in the next couple of weeks. He's also dealing with the concussion. So, I don't expect him to play Sunday in Tennessee. Probably not against the Commanders. Also, practice either at all. We haven't seen him. So my concerns aren't with the run defense, even though it was bad yesterday. My concerns are the takeaways because that is a very, very important statistic in this league. This team had 33 last year. They're just not getting takeaways. And you saw it on the last drive yesterday. The Jaguars had a 10-minute drive. They converted a third and 13, a third and 12, a third and three, a fourth and one. And those drives don't happen when you can turn the football over, especially with a pass rusher who can force a sack fumble, right? So mm-hmm. if there's one concern about this defense moving forward besides Leonard's status, and this obviously is intertwined because he's the takeaway master, it's the lack of takeaways. And that could be an issue in tight games moving forward because you just need to give your offense more opportunities and take the ball away. And they're just not doing it. But the line has been good. Grover and Buckner are playing well. Odengbo got in there yesterday. Tyquan Lewis, who's undervalued, got in there yesterday. Zaire Franklin, EJ Speed, Bobby Okereke, Roddy McLeod, who they're using up at the line of scrimmage. They're using him, man, like for a dude who lost his job to a 20-year-old rookie to start the season, I'm not taking McLeod off the field at all right now, the way he's playing. So this defense has a lot to like right now. Gus Bradley deserves a lot of credit from where they were after Jacksonville in week two to where they are now. But the takeaways, I'm telling you, that's going to be important down the stretch if they can't find a way to get those. We'll see. I mean, obviously, that's a, that's a huge difference in the game. That's the reason they, they won in, at, at Denver the other week. But, um, you know, like I said, every week has been a story. So we'll see what happens. They got a chance to, to get their third win in a row. This is the first time they won back-to-back games all year. And they did both we'll without see. JT and without Darius. I mean, Shaq, like that's... Those are their two best players, and that's not hard to that's not easy to do. So they deserve credit for that. They haven't been pretty, but when the Colts win a pretty game, like just let me know because I haven't seen it happen in a long time. <laughs> they even made it hard on the last play, you know, with the yeah, Matt Ryan tripping and, and whatever else. It was very ugly before that. And then you make the play and everyone kind of forgets the other things. But it's our job, Zach, to kind of detail everything that kind of led up to that moment. But it, it was cool. I mean, Matty Ice, man, I know Shaquille Leonard tweeted it out and it it Looked yeah. like it. Yeah. I mean, is, is he any more like ice cold in that moment? I mean, that's like rip your heart out cold. My, my, I'm goodness. telling you, man, that zero come from behind wins last year, zero, and they have three in six games. 
They have three, and they should have four. They should have four, but they don't. But they brought Matt Ryan to do that, and he's done it. And there's a lot of issues, but um, they could count on the quarterback in the fourth quarter, which is something they probably couldn't do last year. On that note, this is actually relevant today. Carson Wentz, it's been reported, will miss up to four to six weeks with a broken finger. That is very significant news for the Indianapolis Colts because they currently have the commander's third-round pick that would become a second-round pick if Wentz played 70% of the snaps. So roughly 760, 775 snaps. He's played 422 right now. This is going to hurt. There's still a chance he can play if he's back soon, um, but he is going to miss the game against the Colts in a couple weeks, which is a little bit of a bummer because that's dripping in storylines. Carson coming back to the team that cut him loose after just one season. That's a big deal. That's a big deal for the Colts because they need a quarterback. I think this is the year you'll go do it. And with two second rounders and a first rounder, which they haven't had in the last several years, that matters. And that's ammunition if they need to move up into the top five, top Mm -hmm. 10. You guys know how this works. So we'll see. But that's a blow. That's a blow for the Colts. The fact that Carson Wentz is not playing for the commanders because that third rounder becomes a second rounder if he does. And a second rounder is really valuable, really valuable. So we'll see what happens there. But Colts got to feel pretty confident heading to Tennessee next weekend. They just beat the Jags. And like you said, they didn't back into the win. They went out and took it. They won it. They snatched it. Probably more confidence than they've had in the last couple of weeks and maybe all season. You agree with that? Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, that's the type of win you don't have to feel disgusting about. (laughs) You can feel good about that one. Even the defense, like you had your moments where it looked pretty bad, but when it came down to it, like EJ Speed on the fourth and two, great play. Bobby Okereke had some great stops. And so you had your moments where it was like it wasn't all bad or there weren't certain stretches where it just looked terrible. They woke up pretty early throughout that game and hung on and, and, and snatched it. So I had someone on Twitter tell me, you know, what's stunning about that one? Because I use stunning in, in the story. And I'm like, they want a walk-off game with the rookie. That's pretty stunning. So um, we'll see how they build on that. But um, yeah, man, this is the NFL. It's crazy. And this also concludes like that weird stretch where they had five of the first seven in the division. So yeah. you kind of want to yeah. end that stretch on a high note by obviously knocking off Tennessee. Yeah. It's going to be interesting to see because the commanders obviously without their starting quarterback, you know, probably take a step back. They were a bad team to begin with. So one thing at a time, the Colts will go to Nashville on Sunday to face the Titans. The Colts are three, two, and one. That's easy to remember. And they got the first division win since Houston early last year in December. So it's been a long time coming. There have been some painful losses along the way and one tie. But they're three, two, and one. And if they take Tennessee down on Sunday, then they're in first place in the division as we inch into November. And I think JT will be back. So there's a lot to like. And I think most of most of all, it's the way they won. It's not the fact that they escaped with the win. It's, it's how they went out and took it, like you said. So that's something to be seen. And the fact that they got Pittman and Pierce going is impressive. So for James Boyd, I'm Zach Kiefer. This is 1% Better. Colts are 3-2-1. And, and we will catch up with you guys after Nashville next week.